Here for a lesson? This is a teaching moment. May we learn much together. Let me tell you a story. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to part two of tonight's show. We are in for quite a treat as we tune in with Lore Master Goliath the Dwarf as we will talk about the lore behind the Deadmines, uh, perfectly timed with the Deadmines mini set for United and Stormwind. And so uh, without further ado, I will pass the mic over to Goliath to uh, let the story unfold. All right. So uh, just to uh, get a bit of uh, establishment uh, and recap where we are here. So the Deadmines is, as anyone who has played uh, World of Warcraft in its earlier days will remember, so like this is long before even I started playing it, uh, this was one of the first, uh, like, major dungeons in the game in terms like a dungeon as in group content. Uh, where you have an instance where you have enemies that are so challenging and are kind of like, you know, some of the, the big bads in terms of your really early game stuff that uh, you need a group of five people or so in order to beat them. And uh, that's what Wailing Caverns was for things around on the Horde side. So uh, it only makes sense that they would do a similar thing with the Deadmines for the Alliance side, because they're kind of doing even faction balance here. And uh, in terms of what point in the game and the story this takes place, uh, this is all in that earlier stage, what many people will call classic World of Warcraft or vanilla World of Warcraft, like just in that first part of the game launching, uh, uh, after Warcraft 3 and whatnot. So this is a thing that like the very first people that this year they've kind of been working on capturing some of that essence of that first experience where a lot of the stuff in uh, World of Warcraft story really took off. So um, this is probably something that's nostalgic for many people who have that experience. Uh, Deadmines eventually got a bit of a uh, revamp uh, with uh, an update later on in the game and sort of a continuing story with a different version of the dungeon. So we'll be covering all of that storyline uh, from the start up through uh, that more modern version of it. Cool. So, well, yeah. and let me ask, where where are the Deadmines in relation to Stormwind? The Deadmines are located in a region called Westfall, which, uh, true to its name, is just in the region west of Stormwind's location in the Elwyn Forest. So uh, Westfall is kind of what we call a breadbasket area, where it's a spot filled with lots of farms, lots of wheat fields and whatnot that helps to provide food for much of the kingdom. So that, that's kind of the, the general area. Uh, it's a coastal area, so there's some rocky cliffs and whatnot as well. But uh, a lot of it is mostly well known for its farms. And I believe that uh, it'd probably be best, I think. What'd you think, Nate? Because uh, we, we did, the last time I was on here, we did a whole thing about the story of Stormwind. This ties into it a lot. Probably good to have a bit of a recap, don't you think? Sure, sure. Sure. Previously so, on <laughs> you read my mind last week on Lore and Born to be Wild. The city of Stormwind was founded by nobles who left the crumbling old capital of the kingdom of Erethor, the very first human empire, 
After centuries of peace, Stormwind saw many invasions from gnolls, trolls, and eventually the orcs of the First Horde in what became known as the First War. At the end of this war, the Horde completely destroyed the city of Stormwind, causing many of its citizens to flee to the northern kingdom of Lodoran for safety, including the very young and recently orphaned King Varian. Upon the defeat of the Horde, many of Stormwind's nobles led by Varian returned to build their once glorious city. After the rebuilding was complete, under Varian's leadership, the alliance led by Varian, sorry, I am mixing things up here, Stormwind <laughs> became a leader of the alliance, led by King Varian. I'm trying to sound epic here. Uh, and became such a threat that the evil black dragons sent Onyxia, daughter of Deathwing, to infiltrate the court as an aristocrat to destabilize and cause as much destruction to the human kingdom as possible. This included the kidnapping of King Varian and splitting him into two people in the attempt to turn him into a puppet king, a plot that was eventually foiled. With this background, we return to the story of the Deadbinds. Dun dun dun! Epic. You captured it perfectly. Like when you play the original Warcraft games, they have those between the levels, mm -hmm. and it's, it's it's a voice that does like this is what has happened. This is what is happening, and you're moving into the next level. And you you did it. You did it. I, I agree. Yeah, that's I what I thought know too. I was doing that. I but haven't it, even played it, Warcraft three myself, but not even though like Warcraft one and two does. Yeah, it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, That's between awesome the levels. that I did that without even knowing it. Yeah. I just like being dramatic. So uh, good. Oh, so good. But uh, at any rate, so, uh, so yeah, some of that stuff, we touched on the basics of the story back in Stormwind, but we're going a little bit further. So, as I said, uh, so we have the first war. So the first contact of the alliance, which at this point is just Stormwind, there isn't really an alliance yet as the humans versus orcs, as is the title of Warcraft 1. And so the orcs, of course, are all that consists of the very first iteration of the Horde, uh, and they, of course, as uh, we've discussed previously, though there hasn't been a set exclusively focused on this for us to really delve into the full lore of it, but uh, orcs lived on another world called Draenor. Uh, Gul'dan uh, was the warlock who worked for the Demons of the Burning Legion, uh, convinced them to drink demon blood, corrupted them, and brought them over to conquer Azeroth for the Burning Legion. And that is the initial conflict. As I said, uh, it was eventually destroyed, uh, the city of Stormwind. But uh, during that time, uh, there was actually a level for both Horde and Alliance side in Warcraft 1 that takes place in the Deadmine. So technically, they trace their origins all the way back to the very first game. Wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. So uh, basically, the dead mines were, well, mines that used to not be dead. Uh, they were actually uh, very rich. Uh, they provided a huge portion of Stormwind's uh, gold in their treasury. So like th this was like, you know, you could, you could swing your pickaxe and hit gold without even trying type of mines. And uh, they worked out really well, but 
you got these demonic orcs that are running around causing a whole bunch of trouble. Uh, keeping the mine staffed isn't exactly the top priority here. It gets abandoned and rumors start to circulate that it's haunted. And frankly, um, if you, you look at some of the, the arts that we have, like some of this is from like the, the old uh, Warcraft trading card game and whatnot, I... I would look at that and be like, yeah, yeah, this place is totally haunted. I'm not going in here. So <laughs> uh, Perfect for spooky season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm perfectly honest. And uh, But th there is, uh, there's just a little uh, small story that takes place in uh, during the First War after the mines have been abandoned. Uh, so there is, basically we have a tale of forbidden love that is kind of gross, honestly. Uh, so... <laughs> Um, the Horde is, its puppet master is Gul'dan, but its, uh, its puppet leader is Warchief Blackhands, and he has a daughter, uh, and she decides to run off with an ogre. So you got an orc and an ogre, that's kind of like a, you know, forbidden love type of thing, and Blackhand is not pleased about it, and so they go off and, uh, with his, uh, old ogre gang, and, uh, hide out in the dead mines. While they're there, the gang steals an ancient uh, uh, holy book that belongs to the clerics of Northshire of the Alliance that is called the Tome of Divinity. And so, in an attempt to go and reclaim that, uh, Sir Anduin Lothar, who is, you know, our warrior legendary card that we talked about previously from United Stormwind, already talked about how much of a badass he is. Uh, he was basically the, the Alliance leader, taking care of Orphan Varian after uh, his father got murdered and whatnot. Uh, really great guy. And uh, so he goes in and... Um, actually ends up losing and being captured and held for several months by the orcs uh, and the ogres as a prisoner. So that is your quest in, uh, if you're playing humans, in Warcraft 1, that you need to go into the dead mines and liberate Sarenduin Lothar and recover that Tome of Divinity. I'm sure it was kind of an embarrassing situation for him, but I, I haven't played it, so I, I can't know for certain. Uh, maybe <laughs> he was totally like, yeah, man, did you look at these guys? These are a completely new enemy. It's, it's uh, totally uh, acceptable that I got kind of unawares by them. But uh, at any rate, so you have... Um, that, that most most of the others uh, survive. You know, you go in, you get the holy book, you free uh, Lothar, and, and you leave. But um, if you play in the orcs... You see the other side of that, where Blackhand is like, you know, my daughter betrayed us, she went against my wishes, you are going to go in there, murder her and her lover. So, uh, yeah, that, that's what happens. The Orcish raiding party came in and completely uh, wiped out uh, the hideouts. The people yeah. who are hiding out in the dead vines. So I've heard of a dysfunctional family, but that's taking it to the extreme. <laughs> oh, well, Blackhead was a very ruthless individual. Um, he was one of the first, actually, to go for the gung-ho drinking demon blood thing. Actually, his yeah. two sons and his daughter, I believe the daughter's name is Griselda or something, uh, and I believe if I remember correctly, his uh, two sons' their names are Mame and Rend, 
I know very subtle, yeah. but uh, <laughs> one of them actually is the legend is a legendary from Black Rock Mountain. Yeah, Rend Blackhand. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rend yeah. Blackhand. Yeah. Yeah. So he is not Warchief Blackhand. Warchief Blackhand is just named Blackhand. That's like is he, one name, like Madonna, you know, uh, <laughs> and, or Batman. And, and uh, so yeah, he actually had his kids. Aged up prematurely by demonic magic. So, like, you do. <laughs> they, they, they were kids, but he, like, forcibly used, uh, like, the uh, the demon magic, the fell magic, in order to, like, turn them into adults. So I'm not sure if that means, like, if they're, I don't know if their minds matured at the same rate, or if they're, like, kids in adult bodies, who are forced to fight and stuff, which is really messed up. But uh, <laughs> yeah, just got really inspired by the movie Big. <laughs> <laughs> really dysfunctional family there. Blackhead was not yeah. a good person at all. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so after that, uh, the dead minds don't really come into play uh, until we get to the period of uh, World of Warcraft. And so that we get to, as I mentioned before, that Stormwind was completely destroyed by the works of the Star of that first war. And it took a while for the people to come back and decide to start rebuilding it. Mm -hmm. Now we're talking about rebuilding an entire city here. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of building, a lot of materials, a lot of labor. And uh, who helped provide most of that labor? Spent a lot of efforts and uh, time, and uh, you know, not taking other jobs in order to build the city. Well, they were called the Stonemasons Guild, and uh, their leader was a guy named Edwin Van Cleef. And uh, so, yeah, he was he was just starting out life as a craftsman, and uh, pretty darn good one, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, I mean, he was the leader of a group that built an entire city. You, you, you have to have a merit-based system in order to rise to that. Otherwise, you're going to end up with a really bad city. Uh, yeah, yeah. We see his artwork as the stonemason in the new uh, set, right? In the new mercenary set. So Which I was so excited about that we finally get to see an image of him as a stonemason. Though, I can't help but find it ironic that they still gave him the bandit-style bandana in this, but in his uh, skin that's coming out, where he's in his, all his bandit gear, he doesn't have it? I would it was, think that they would show his face in this. I don't know. I don't know. It was just part of his uh, PPE. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it might be, right? He's 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 uh, you know chiseling away at the stone. Like the dust. You would not want the yeah. dust in your face, so he's wearing the mask. Yeah, it's, he, he that's fair. A, that's a really good point. Theoretically, could happen. Uh, we won't. We won't get to why they uh, why the Defias Brotherhood has them as those particular masks. Uh, but yeah, that that could be uh, that could be a contributing factor. I never really thought about it, but yeah, that's that's a good point. For those of you who are not aware, PPE is personal protective equipment. That's his. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So d the Defias Brotherhood. Then how does that come about? Well, as I mentioned, um, Stormwind was growing uh, pretty powerful. They were the leader of the uh, Alliance of Nations at this point. And um, the area of Stormwind is relatively close to uh, an area 
close to Black Rock Mountain, uh, areas like the Burning Steps. And uh, that happened to be where the uh, remnants of the Black Dragonflight were attempting to regrow their brood in order to, you know, take over the world and whatnot. And uh, they viewed the Kingdom of Stormwind as potentially the most dangerous threat to their race's survival uh, because they could be discovered and extinguished because Stormwind's just that strong, apparently. And so Onyxia, who, as I mentioned, is the daughter of Deathwing, uh, infiltrated the uh, Kingdom of Stormwind by pretending to be a noble named Lady Katrina Prestor, uh, which fit in quite well because her father, Deathwig, had previously gone under an alias as Lord Prestor, and so she's his daughter, she's actually his daughter. It, it, it wasn't all that difficult to pull off the ruse, to be perfectly honest. Dragons have really good shape-shifting forms in the Warcraft universe. They can take on pretty much any form they want, most of them just tend to stick with one uh, that suits their personality. Uh, Katrina Prestor was the form Onyxia chose because it made for great infiltration material. Uh, because, you know, she it, it, she could charm her way into things with uh, both her looks and with magic quite a bit. Sheep, do you have a question there? I do. Um, so not to get too into um, when Deathwing was masquerading as Lord Prestor... But I'm assuming, based on the the fact that she uh, that Anixia took the the form of Lady Prestor, that he wasn't ever discovered as actually being Deathwing in disguise as Lord Prestor. But just kind of wanted to touch base on that before we continue. That's correct. Yeah, he actually did his infiltration back during the first war. He was one of the key players who managed to prevent other nations from helping Stormwind in the uh, fight against the Horde. He convinced them all that he was a noble from Stormwind and that all, all these rumors were completely baseless. There's no such thing as orcs. That's ridiculous. Uh, because oh, he, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, he, uh, he had that established and then just kind of faded into the background eventually. And uh, so, yeah, Nixia just kind of continued on that style. Uh, Deathwing himself was a bit uh, out of action at this time. He was um, currently recovering in the elemental plane of Earth and when's emerge until later, which we'll get to that. But, um, yeah, so he, he could handle things himself. So Nixia took over on this uh, infiltration and using political intrigue in order to ensure that the humans never found the areas where the Black Dragonflight were. She'd make sure to divert their uh, armies in order to like make sure that no scouting parties were ever sent to uh, places where the Black Dragons were secretly plotting their evil deeds. Um, and... But another key thing was that she wanted to sow discord in order to internally weaken Stormwind. And one of the big ways that she did that was by secretly playing both sides when the time came for the Mason's Guild to collect their payments. Because, like, this was one of those big job pay after it's finished type of arrangements, uh. I guess. Not an hourly wage a day or whatnot. I... The lawyer doesn't go into the specific economics of or con legal contracts of this deal. 
I'm sure that Nate would have a few things to say about it. <laughs> Work now, but, pay later. That seems bad, like bad business, but uh, <laughs> it promises, promises. Uh, so so Edwin thing. was was a great um, <laughs> uh, a craftsman, but not necessarily a great businessman. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for agreeing to that. Uh, he was kind of the union leader in a sense. That's what guilds were in a sense. And... Um, so basically, like, it was time for them to get paid. The problem was that Stormwind had some debt issues and couldn't afford uh, the full payments that had earlier been promised, you know, when they contracted the Stonemason's Guild to build an entire city. And so the uh, nobles were like, hey, we... We just can't afford to do this. We've got war debts that we're doing here. I mean, have you seen the, what we've been having to fight lately? Beings from another world here, this horde that's been forming, hello, this is not cheap. Surely you understand. Uh, and the Masons were like, hey, we, we made a deal, and we have to feed our families. You have to pay us. And so um, Varian kept on trying to be able to help them to co find a compromise here. Lady Prestor secretly played both sides to convince them to dig in their heels and not give in an inch. And so it resulted in the nobles saying, you know what? We're just not going to pay you guys at all. Oof. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Dash, but with the whole city. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow and so there was a riot yeah. uh, by the Stormmasons oh, Guild <laughs> and uh, in that riot they kind of accidentally killed Varian's wife Queen Tifton who was attempting to reach out and make peace with them and that did not encourage the king to uh, look on them with very much compassion uh, you know, responding to attempts at peace with murder. That's, I, I mean, yeah, the, the, it, it was one of those things done in the fits of a mob. You know how those sorts of things go. Uh, that just evolves into chaos. But uh, knowing that uh, very wasn't likely to be forgiving them anytime soon, they decided that they needed to go out, and Edwin led them into the uh, farms of Westfall in order to hide out there until things died down. But from there, with more secret aid from Anixia slash Lady Prestor, uh, they formed the Defias Brotherhood. It started out in their minds that it was kind of the Robin Hood style, you know, we're fighting for justice, we're going to take what's legally ours against those greedy nobles of Stormwind. But um, very quickly, completely devolved into just a gang of thieves attracting anyone who was desperate or a skilled crook or highwayman or whatnot. They all banded together on that. And uh, very quickly lost any of those noble senses of justice they initially been founded with including edwin himself he was just it became like you know uh, a vengeance obsessed uh bandit leader so, uh, rather than robin hood uh pro-union freedom fighter so did they i mean were they like bandits and pirates now is that what they've devolved into it is uh, basically and uh the they're very identifiable, as you mentioned earlier, I believe, by their uh, red bandanas. 
So those are uh, initially meant to be a symbol of the uh, the blood of the innocent that was shed, you know, uh, or the suffering inflicted by the nobles. Uh, so, you know, they're very much, we hate the rich type of people there. And, uh, but, you know, <laughs> eventually, <laughs> also it's just kind of a... Um, we are, you know, red, we spill blood now is kind of what it eventually uh, evolved into because, you know, eventually they didn't care about justice anymore. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's how you can identify. Uh, now, so there's a few cards in Hearthstone that exist already. Many of them say Defias right on it. Not all of them. Uh, uh, one of them is South Sea Deckhand. Uh, that's actually been in Defias this whole time. You can tell because they're humans who have red bandanas. If a Hearthstone card uh, doesn't check both of those boxes, then it's not a Defias. So just because there's a card that looks road-like and it has a red bandana, if it's not a human, then it's not Defias. Okay. Uh, that's a good thing to keep in mind there. It's not to say they didn't have non-human allies, but we'll get into that a little later. Um, and so, yeah, I think... Uh, Nate, you had a, a fun thing that you noticed about some card art uh, connected with this. Stuff, oh, yeah, no, you? this was so great. And I have to give credit to uh, Ben Hearthstone on Twitter, who I that's where I saw it first. But this is great, right? So if you look at the artwork from the uh, South Sea deckhand here, uh, where, you know, so here's here's the pirate. He's charging at you. He's got the sword, right? Well, one of our brand new cards, uh, it's called South Sea Squawker. If you look very closely at the card art here, is this parrot and he's flying away with the hat and you see the South Sea deckhand in the background. Hey, give me my hat back. <laughs> <laughs> that it's is amazing. This whole time. <laughs> and, so, and so the post was like, you know, point of view, you're the bird. Point of view, you're the pirate. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever so you good. have the... Whenever you have the the weapon, you're actually charging forward to try and slay the parrot to get yeah. your hat back. <laughs> it's so great. I love That's when incredible. they make connections between cards like this. It's so much fun. It's yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, it's great. I love it. I love it. Oh man, good times. Yeah. So, um, but uh, who was not having such a good time? everyone that Defias was, uh, you know, wailing on at this point, because now here, here's an important distinction. For the Dead Mind set, they did everything very pirate-themed. That's my outfit today. Uh, but the Defias are not strictly pirates. They're pirates in the sense that sometimes they're on ships, and a pirate is, a, is someone who steals at sea. Uh, but they were perfectly happy to steal on land, too. That's actually the majority <laughs> of their activities. Um, they did, you know, quite a bit of what we might call highwayman, uh, you know, uh, hit-and-run tactics, robbery, uh, perfectly happy to do some, uh, you know, murder when it suited them, and really just kind of became a collection of the worst of the worst. Uh, very, very organized low lives that became a real threat to Stormwind. Uh, they caused all sorts of troubles in uh, in the Westfall region, in other regions. They actually even once infiltrated the Stormwind stockades and caused uh, prison riots over there, which is another dungeon that you can have in World of Warcraft, one of the earlier ones in Stormwind City itself. 
Uh, which, incidentally, you might recall that in Stormland set, there's a couple of stockades-themed cards. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. That was one of the things that I was initially thinking, maybe that could be another uh, candidate for the mini set. But uh, Dead Minds did always seem the strongest and turned out to be the one that was right. But uh, there is a connection where they, they had a bit of meddling in the stockades. And they also had some allies that they made. Uh, they made some deals with the Bloodsail Pirates. Uh, who uh, mainly operate around in Booty Bay, which you may remember is there's cards like uh, Booty Bay Bouncer or whatnot. That's one of the uh, original basic cards. Um, that's an area like way down south in the Eastern Kingdoms, a neutral port, just filled with all sorts of pirates and free traders. And I would say would actually make a great storm, uh, a great Hearthstone set someday. But probably not anytime soon because it would be very pirate themed and they probably want to take a break before we do another pirate over card overload, don't you think? Uh, probably, yeah. Yeah. But so anyway, they made some uh, deals with uh, those uh, Blood Sail uh, pirates. They actually worked with the uh, Riverpaw tribe of Knolls. Though so you remember we talked about Knowles and Hogger and all that stuff a bit back in the Stormwind episode. And so the card here says Goldshire Knoll, but uh, if it was in that region, then that means it was also a member of the Riverpaw tribe. So, uh, which was led by Hogger. So they were, uh, they, the Defias kind of had a bit of a loose lines there. I don't know how they managed to broker that uh, with creatures like gnolls, but apparently they did. And uh, they also had apparently some sort of deal or relationship with a group of Naga as well. Uh, and maybe that was uh, initiated by them, but probably by uh, Nixia slash Lady Prestor, because the main time you see them working together is when uh, Nixia arranged for the Defias to kidnap Varian on his uh, route to a diplomatic mission and take him to an island. And the Naga played a role in that as well. Um, so that's the thing where she did the thing story that we talked about last time where he got split into two people and there was the whole big adventure with that that resulted in... Uh, that's where Valera enters the story mm -hmm. and uh, eventually Anixia was... Uh, you know, exposed and defeated, and Varian was made whole. Uh, but the Fias were uh, the ones who initially did that kidnapping and uh, got the whole ball rolling there. But uh, at any rate, they were big troublemakers for a really <laughs> long time. And uh, but they decided, or you know, Edwin was the real chief brains behind all of this. Uh, well, when he wasn't being manipulated by Nixia and actually thinking for himself, I guess. Um, that <laughs> the best way to do it, the best way to take revenge on Stormwind was, hey, we built this city, you didn't pay us, we built it up stone by stone, so we're going to take it down, stone by stone. And so, they, uh, had a hideout in the Deadmines, uh, after, uh, wiping out a pirate crew run by a Captain Bramblebeard, who, uh, had, uh, previously been taking up residence there. Uh, you can actually get a quest from Bramblebeard's ghost while you're in the dungeon, who is real upset, like, Hey, these Defias folks, they killed me and my crew. Uh, will you go and wipe them out for me while you're <laughs> at it and already here? Thanks, I appreciate that. Maybe I can rest in peace now. Uh, so... <laughs> I, just I, I love, love his name. name, but good yeah. night is he vengeful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
vegetable ghosts happen uh, often that way, you know? Uh, it, it's a staple. Good point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a trope for a reason. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, they uh, they had the established in the Dead Mines, their, their little hideout, their strongholds, and a lot of their... Uh, the problems that they created all over uh, the Alliance, the Stormwind region, was in order to distract the militia so that the military forces never came near the dead mines and found what they were working on there. Because what what do you guys think they were working on there? It has to do with pirate warrior decks. Oh. making a giant ship. Yeah. <laughs> a juggernaut. A juggernaut yeah. is under my command. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so interestingly, and this is something that um, Nate actually pointed out uh, way back in our previous episode, the Defias didn't invent juggernauts. Juggernauts were actually... Uh, Goblin built ogre crewed ships back during the invasion of the Horde in those original Warcraft games. Uh, so the Fias more like they are rebuilding one. There's one that's around, and they uh, they contracted a group of goblins in order to uh, reconstruct it and uh, give them this very powerful ship with just like the most, you know, like really strong cannons, like a lot of firepower. So they're just going to sail right up to Stormwind Harbor and bombard the entire city to dust. Once they get the ship going, of course, because, you know, these projects take a while. <laughs> and uh, so that, that that's kind of the big ultimate plan. And uh, so we, but what does a ship need? A ship needs a ship builder and we need the crew. Uh -huh. And we happen to have a lot of those guys who were already Hearthstone cards uh, long beforehand, and who we just got as some Hearthstone cards in this mini set. So let's take a look at some of them, shall we? Yeah, so here we go. Uh, first up, we have Sneed, right, who is the builder. And then there was a note here about some harvest, uh, repurposed harvest golems as well. Right. So uh, this is Goblin's. I'm sure you guys know from even just looking at the cards in the Goblins versus Gnomes set that uh, Goblins have a particular way of constructing things. Uh, very reckless, very deadly, often with lots of explosives or <laughs> uh, needless sharp bets and whatnot. And so, Did yeah, somebody what? order a bomb? <laughs> <laughs> and you, you always need shark pits. There's no such thing as a needless shark pit. <laughs> and that yep that that's actually somebody order bomb is a good way to sum up goblin engineering to be perfectly <laughs> honest um though not in some of these particular cases but yeah so Sneed was uh the chief lumber master in charge of rebuilding the juggernaut he's like you know uh he's the subcontractor that van cleef hired in order to be able to handle this because he knows how to build these types of things and uh, he had lots of stuff. One of them is the uh, the repurposing of the harvest golems. So these are things that, you know, initially, like uh, harvest, they, they were probably initially had some design of, you know, helping to do some uh, uh, picking, like, you know, a, a robot combine or something, I suppose. And uh, the goblin's like, hey, how about instead of that, we give them really sharp claws and program them to go absolutely haywire and attack 
everything in sight. <laughs> Great idea, right? And we'll just release them up on the farmers above, and that'll uh, drive them away from the land. We get the resources, and, uh, you know, it's, it, it's good for Defy's business, right? No notes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, that's uh, the, the, the Harvest Golem. That's, again, one of our older Hearthstone cards here. Uh, mm -hmm. We actually have several of these that, you know, you've been seeing them around for a while, get to finally know what they are. Um, and then, of course, we haven't had Sneed himself uh, as a card up until now, but we do get him as a mercenary, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. And you can see that his mercenary art uh, perfectly fits... Uh, the image that he has in the game where he has his kind of like Wolverine Claw style weapons almost. Right. I'm not sure how you fight with those, but uh, I don't know. I wouldn't want to get too close to anyone who has those and swinging them around. That's ouch. <laughs> um, and then uh, just to, uh, to uh, clarify here. Uh, if you are uh, going into Warcraft and you go to Dead Mines, uh, you won't see Sneed around because he's from the first version uh, that was later redone. So that's not in the modern game. However, if you want, you can experience it because they have the World Warcraft Classic servers up now. So you can go and see him in that if that's the sort of thing that you're interested in. But um, he made a lot more than just the Harvest Golems. He made... Uh, well, again, one of our uh, older legendaries here that is just his shredder. We hadn't seen Sneed himself in quite a while. Uh, but, uh, yep, Sneed's old shredder. You guys probably have some stories in history with that card, don't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So fun. <laughs> Big Rogue in particular. Uh, lately, it's been a lot of fun with Sneed's old shredder. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I had asked a question prior to the show that I think is relevant now is what is the difference between Sneed's old shredder and piloted shredder? Cause back in the day we would play piloted shredder in like every single deck, right? It was the, the, the difference is a, is a doomsayer. <laughs> yeah, the doomsayer comes out of the bottom of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, but it's the same similar technology, right? They look very similar. These, these machines. Right. These are just things that goblins really like building for some reason. Uh, they're, they are very multi-purpose. They serve as everything from a, uh, a, a mech weapon that you pilot to uh, harvesting lumber and other resources that they use in their uh, obsession with uh, creating lots of unstable things and their complete disregard for uh the natural world that they really get put at odds with druids uh that's one of the oh. reasons you'll never see a goblin druid uh because they don't really they, they don't look at a tree and go oh isn't that pretty they go and say hey raw materials uh let's harvest that and uh <laughs> like you, you could put them in the story of the lorax and they would fit oh right that's in, funny to be <laughs> I kid you not, there's even versions of Shredders, uh, if you play the Goblin Starting Zone area, if you if you make a Goblin character in World of Warcraft, uh, there is a quest where you use these to play a sport called Footbomb. <laughs> <laughs> Bomb. 
<laughs> and so yeah, they they have the, this basic whole um, metal mech type of thing that has a face on it. Generally, a very goblin-looking face. I don't know if they're just like make them look like themselves to the person who built it because they're vain or or whatnot. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, basically, goblins shredders are kind of one of their trademark things, and uh, pilot shredder is some shredder built by some goblin. Need Shredder is the Shredder built by a named goblin who was a boss at some point, and that's why it gets to be a legendary. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, and so it, it looks like all the, the, the Shredders are basically like steampunk uh, Gundams, right? Like <laughs> Kind of, yeah. I, that, I just think it's really ingenious. Not only that they, you know, thematically are, are just like on point, but that they they have that specific archetype it's pretty fun yeah and they all kind of uh, work in the same way kind of uh that you know you have the machine but when the machine goes down the pilot can just eject or whatnot uh and continue fighting so that's kind of the, the loose flavor behind shredder-esque cards yeah and I, I see with this new set that they named a card after you which is uh quite lovely <laughs> <laughs> Goliath Sneed's masterpiece, and we have some modified card art here from the uh, <laughs> lovely Shibo. Uh, <laughs> it's just very great. <laughs> 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 yeah, the funny thing is, this is uh, now, Sneed's old shredder is actually from his boss fight in the Dead Mines. So you actually fight Sneed in his shredder. But uh, Goliath Sneed's uh, masterpiece is a Hearthstone original creation, so they could have named it after me. <laughs> I don't know. I have absolutely no evidence to back that up. It's my we know they, 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 they name cards sometimes after people who win the championship, so I, I'm going to kind of enjoy pretending while knowing it's not actually true. <laughs> But it, it has been really fun every time I'm in a Discord and people talking about Goliath this, and I'm like, yes, what? And like, no, you're talking about the card. <laughs> but, uh, That's I mean, great. the explosive sheep was clearly about sheep, right? Hey, right? Oh, I'm yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> and, and, We're all going to get cards before And the long. Marsh Hydra from, uh, from Outland was very clearly named after Ooh. you. Cave Hydra? <laughs> Cave Hydra? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and, and uh... uh Kindly grandmother. grandmother was very clearly based off of Nate Bull. <laughs> exactly. I'll take what I can get. <laughs> nah, no complaints. All right. So uh, aside, so so my understanding is that Sneed is is one of the kind of uh, defias pirate crew members. You were mentioning that he was in charge of obtaining lumber, right? But uh, yeah, we, we do have some other crew members here as well. Yeah, he's not quite so much a crew member as just like the contractor and shipbuilder. But uh, okay. like he's no sailor. But now we're getting into the group who are, and here we're going to get into another. Uh, one of the original legendaries, old Captain Greenskin. Yeah. Yes. Three cut me hearties are. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's uh, again another one of the uh, the boss fights in the original Dead Mines. And I'll be honest, I'm not entirely certain why he's called that. Not because it's not obvious, but because. If your entire race <laughs> has green skin, 
What parent names their child Greenskin? <laughs> mm. Well, I, I always thought of it kind of more like Blackbeard. A lot of pirates had Blackbeard. Yeah, beard, I'm thinking but... that. Yeah, like out, out of story, it's very clearly something like that. Right. Um, my guess is that maybe that's more like a nickname that was given him by the rest of the crew and not his actual name. Uh, again, here's the thing, and I've mentioned this previously. With these original Warcraft dungeons, this was before they had little uh, blurbs that had backstory behind each of the bosses. So right. this was something that we ran into when we talked about Skullamance, when we talked about Wailing Caverns, uh, because basically they didn't bother to write backstories for several of these characters. They were just there, and you had to fight them. So... We have no way of being able to say what uh, Captain Greenskin's backstory is, or uh, Sneed's for that matter, aside from that he was the Lumbermaster, um, or our uh, or the next one that we'll be talking about uh, whenever Nate gets back in order to change the slide, <laughs> yeah, uh, who will be uh, Mr. Smite there. Um, in the meantime, anyone have any uh, clarifying questions if we need to do any backup here? Um. In the card, Captain Greenskin has no hat, but in the picture he does. Is there kind of a any any point of the actual story? Well, not story, but um, uh, encounter with Captain Greenskin in WoW that he loses the hat, or is, not is to it my knowledge? Flavor? Again, I I was I didn't play back then, and I haven't bothered with the classic server stuff. I don't think that they they probably didn't even have the the technology to really do a thing like the model's hat flies off back then is my guess. I think th this is the thing that b back during uh, Hearthstone's uh, early days, and I learned this because I, I love reading the art books and they talked about this stuff with the concepts, they didn't have their own Hearthstone artists for things. They were just pulling whatever art they could from the Warcraft trading card game. And right. so it's just like, okay, this is what we're working with. And we're actually going to come into kind of a, a hilarious result of that in just a bit here. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think just Artstone depicts him without a hat because for whatever reason, the Warcraft trading card game decided to draw him without his hat. And or, or pirates, I, have, I mean, parrots have just maybe been stealing hats for a very long time. <laughs> you know, Full I'm circle. willing to go with that. Yeah, let's just say that his was also taken by even the same parrot, or heck, heck, maybe, maybe it was such a big hat that it took monstrous parrot in order to fly off with it. <laughs> Who knows? Perhaps the, the South Sea deckhand didn't lose their own hat, they were seeking Captain Greenskin's hat. Mm, yeah, yes, that is own hat. Like, like a swabby, right? It does. It does look like it. You know, the the hat the parrot is carrying looks rather like Greenskins. You know, uh, tricorn skull and crossbones, all that. It's like, hey, I'm not gonna chase after my own hat. You, you go get my hat for me. We solved Maybe. it. We just came up with our own little story here, and I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. At any rate, um, so yeah, that's uh, Captain Greenskin, and but every captain needs a first mate here. And uh, he has a uh, big, uh, beefy Torin who is uh, missing a horn, who goes by the name Mr. Smite. 
who one is very familiar with at the moment because pirates <laughs> have charge. Yes. <laughs> love it, love it. Yeah. He's in charge as again. They sh- as they should. They also gave uh, <laughs> Mr. Smite uh, a good kind of animated makeover in the Dead Minds uh, kind of animated uh, intro there. Yeah. It's very heavily yeah. featured, and I didn't realize that until later, but the art in that is even more uh, in tune with the game because he's wearing this kind of black and dark gray outfit in that trailer versus in the card art. It's like this red jacket. Uh, so that's fun. Yeah. Yeah, and again, we don't really have backstory on who Mr. Smite is or how the heck a Torin ended up becoming a pirate and working for a group of goblins that ended up working with a bunch of human criminals. It's, I'm sure there's probably an interesting story there that no one has bothered to write, or if they didn't write it, it was never included in the game. But uh, unfortunately, I can't tell you what the lore is of Mr. Smite, but uh, who knows? Maybe they'll make up something for Hearthstone because they, with the solo adventures and the Book of Mercenaries, they do, you know, they incorporate, like, you know, for uh, Guff thing, it was all in the Wailing Caverns. But I personally think, judging from the way that the uh, rogue skins and cards have been going, is I believe when we get to Scab's chapter in the Book of Mercenaries, he's going to be infiltrating mm. Defias Brotherhood and, inf- and encountering some there. Because th- there's one of the skins with him you get from the rewards track, which says, like, undercover Scabs, and he's dressed like a Defias. So I think that's probably where the story is going with him. And maybe we'll encounter some of these characters and maybe Hearthstone will kind of supplement a bit of story and personality for them that in lack of anything else, we can go with that. So that's just my prediction at the moment. I could be proven wrong. Oh, sure. And I I always love how they take some liberties with, and I could be totally wrong on this, but my, my, uh, sort of guess here is that they, uh, you, you know, you often see them uh, pull or when they come up with their their names, they will pull them from other things. And so I had always thought that, uh, you know, we've got like Captain Hook Tusk, right? But then I've got Mr. Smite and it re- just reminded me of like the classic um, uh, uh, Peter Pan Mr. villain, like Mr. Mr. Smee, Mr. Smee, yeah. right? Who is the first mate uh, for Captain Hook. And um, right. So, you know, who knows? Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. But I know they, they like to borrow uh, classic names and twist them all the time. And so, no, I'm going to be completely honest here. I never, until this very moment, connected that Captain Hook Tusk could be connected to Captain Hook by inspiration. <laughs> For whatever reason, that never entered my mind. I don't know why. <laughs> but yeah, that probably was the inspiration behind the name. <laughs> <laughs> how funny they they couldn't look more different but hey you know <laughs> yeah and i think probably some of the rationale is like why not a Torin? <laughs> you know like yeah what well, you want to vary up the bosses so that it may it, it's more interesting than just fighting you know humans all the time or whatnot human pirate number seven yeah exactly yeah boring uh, so yeah, and uh, Mr. Smite is actually one that you fight right before you encounter uh, Captain Greenskin. So we're kind of technically out of order here, but it makes sense to talk about the captain before the first mate. Sure. Um, and then, let's see, we have 
Uh, <laughs> oh yes, uh, yes, we have uh, one of another one of our new legendaries to talk about here. Cookie Again, the cook. Talk about, talk about throwing some variety in here. I have no idea what the job interview was like for the position of ship's cook. <laughs> I have no idea how marga, 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 is enough to be able to impress someone to convince them to give you a job. Uh, I don't know what his resume was. And I don't think what he's cooking in this card looks appetizing at all. That makes one of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yet he had the position of ship's cook aboard the Juggernaut for some reason. And yeah, he's one of the um, one of the encounters in the original Dead Mines. He's actually an optional boss that you can hunt down for, you know, just a bit of extra loot or a, a different boss encounter uh, if you want. But uh, he's he's just kind of in the background at first. And uh Canonically, like even if you defeat him, he is the only boss that you fight in the dead mind to survive. I guess he's just that slippery and gets away, or he's good at playing dead, or something like that. But <laughs> um, or maybe canonically, you didn't go for the optional boss because it's optional. I don't know what the rationale is behind that, but uh, yeah. So you know the. The, the experienced pirate captain, the big beefy tour, and you're like, they go down. The little Murloc cook manages to survive. Yeah. <laughs> in, in all the pictures from the game and the card art and stuff, like, Cookie the Cook is inside the cauldron. Uh, yes. It's like, oh, gross. He's cooking and feeding people, presumably, and using it as, like, a bath as well. Like, oh, it's, it's Murloc so... flavored. Yeah, and seasoning it. <laughs> oh, Murloc <laughs> <gross>. broth. <laughs> marinating <laughs> i love the story for cookie because because we're gonna loop back to it in in a few minutes uh it's very fun i went doing a little bit of the homework for, for myself it's like uh so yeah we'll, we'll loop back to cookie in a minute and that's it's, yeah it's quite entertaining here and then uh and then after after all these guys are when you finally have Edwin Van Cleef himself as the final boss in the Dead Mines, and then you uh you take him down. Again, like you know, Edwin Van Cleef goes down, Cookie gets away. Uh, <laughs> but uh and uh but we'll we'll get to that in just a sec. Um because uh first we have a little talk about uh, just, just just mentioning Deathwing a little bit because he's going to bring us up to speed for part two of the Dead Mines. So yeah. Um, yeah, so let's see, Deathwing. I mentioned before that Deathwing had been kind of spending some recuperating time down in the elemental plane of Earth. He was kind of out of action. That's why Anixia was busy doing all the infiltration stuff. Uh, well, you know, recuperating. I really mean being infused with the overwhelming power of the old god Nazoth and uh, being made more crazier and more powerful than ever before so that you can burst out into the world and attempt to bring about the end of all things and cause <laughs> massive uh, elemental disruption and natural disasters everywhere. You know, re recuperating is a good way to sum it up, right? Uh Recuperating but, uh, his mad aspect, at the very least. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, he breaks through in what we call the Cataclysm. And, as I said, lots of natural disasters everywhere, causing upheavals. Land masses break apart in different ways. 
uh, also called Game World Updates. Uh, (laughs) Literally, they used it as an excuse to remake the world in better graphics and stuff. But things are a little different. Like, you know, the, the earth is cracked open here. There's a huge tornado over there and whatnot. So that that's the reason there are things that you can only experience in the classic servers. Because when the Cataclysm expansion came along, they completely remade the world and had different quests and people around and whatnot. Um, but so one of those areas is Westfall. And people in Westfall are doing really, really badly. Like... They're starving there, like, you know, uh, fa- famine with for the farmers. Uh, they're suffering from murloc raids. Uh, incidentally, uh, so read, led by old Murkai, who uh, hmm. is a mercenary and one of those old uh, legendaries. So he's in that Westfall area, too, actually. That's where he comes in. And uh, But chief among all the things that the people of Westfall are dealing with are the Defias Brotherhood. Uh, because... Somehow, even after uh, Edwin Van Cleef and uh, his device were taken down and uh, the juggernaut prevented from being uh, continued, I presume probably deconstructed somewhat, though you don't do that as a player in the quest because that would be boring, I presume. (laughs) Hit the ship until it falls apart. This is going to take a while. That Uh, sounds like fun. Can you (laughs) hit it with cannons to tear it apart? (laughs) That one actually, that probably actually would be pretty fun, but yeah. uh, they didn't make that as a mini game. We'll, we'll presume that's uh, something we fill in the cracks that they later, Stormman later sent in people to dismantle it, because that only makes sense. But um, yeah, so things aren't going so well, and somehow the Defiers returned. Uh, turns out that they have a new leader. Uh, previously unknown uh, child of Edwin Van Cleef, named uh, Vanessa, who, just to backtrack a bit to when uh, Edwin was killed, I must point out that he just wasn't, uh, he just wasn't taken down. Um, He was decapitated and his head taken back as a trophy for proof to the uh, king that he was actually dead. Like, it's an object that you loot in the game, head of Edward Van Cleef, to wow. bring back to turn in for your quest reward. Spoiler. <laughs> it turns out that um, he had a little girl who was hiding on the ship and witnessed everything firsthand and was very mentally scarred by watching her dad get killed right in front of her and then his head chopped off. And developed a real hatred of the Alliance because of it. For some reason. <laughs> if you'll notice, um, the little uh, image we have on the slide here is kind of like a flashback. Uh, it kind of gives a Simba Mufasa vibes, if I'm being perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. Just all like, Daddy? No, no. It's yeah. Okay. So, after that, she was... Um, no one really knew who she was, uh, but she was uh, adopted by a couple who found her and uh, gave her the name of Hope. And uh, they just raised her, but she, uh, she, you know, she never forgot seeing that. How could any kid? And uh, grew up with it and kind of had a reverse Batman 
uh, arc, essentially, where instead of Batman seeing his parents gunned down by criminals and swearing his life to uphold justice, she saw her criminal dad taken down by heroes and swore to take vengeance in the name of crime. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. You know how Mancrick like, needs to search for his wife so he gets shuffled into the deck? Or, like, Cthune's body breaks up and the parts go into the deck. Imagine there was an Edwin card where his head got shuffled into the deck. (laughs) (laughs) He had to draw the head. Yeah, and then when that comes out, then uh, you suddenly summon little girl Valera. (laughs) And she's like, yeah! (laughs) Yeah. In an upcoming expansion. You're here first. I mean, we already have two versions of Edwin and, like, four versions of Deathwing. (laughs) So why not? (laughs) But, um, at any rate, so she, um, she gradually kind of developed a greater sense of who she was and who her father was and stuff as she grew up and secretly rebuilt the Defias as the criminal organization that, you know, had been previously cleaned up for the most part. She built it back up, reclaimed the dead mines, uh, but still kind of kept her persona of hope as, uh, you know, so that she could walk around and infiltrate the farmers and whatnot and assemble her own crew. And this is the version that you can play of the dungeon in the main game because uh, eventually she revealed herself after uh, working to... um, but betray some uh, Alliance militia folks and free uh, one or two members of her crew who were in the socks and uh, makes a big speech that is essentially... Um, basically, she, she at least thought that she was, like, standing up for, you know, the rights of the poor or something against all those aristocrats. Uh, like, you know, Edwin had just completely devolved into, I don't care anymore. I'm just, <laughs> I just want to destroy things. You uh, are Vanessa, a pirate. <laughs> at least thought or pretended that she had noble goals behind it, however twisted. But she also had been stealing and terrorizing the very farmers <laughs> that she claimed to be protecting. So don't really know how much truth was behind her statements of, you know, for the poor, for the people, for the common man. It's, you know, that d- d- doesn't quite mesh right there. Uh, but another th- one of the things that she decided to continue on her father's legacy was, you know that juggernaut idea that he never got around to? Yeah, let's try that again. And uh, so she goes and uh, rebuilds a new juggernaut. And uh, as you can see, we, we do have her. As a Hearthstone card right now, uh, she was Van Cleef's replacement in, you know, when they revamped with the core set, and it's frankly just perfect to have done that card-wise, because she stepped into the empty space that he left after being uh, removed by authorities uh, as a character, and, well, as a card, he was removed by the game authorities, and so she steps in to take his place. Uh, and, uh, she has a different style, and her card also reflects that. Van Cleef is very much about the brute force, uh, where she is a lot more about the sneaking, the cunning manipulation, and, uh, using, uh, poisons and stuff as well. 
Um, so that's the kind of uh, part of the difference. And they actually mentioned this a little bit when they were talking about her car design when it was announced as his replacement. Uh, but yeah, so we have our uh, replacement here, speaking of which, because, as I said, everyone except Cookie died in the dead mines. So we need a new chief engineer, a new lumber master. Uh, so we're going to get this fella right here, whose name is uh, Helix Gearbreaker. Personally, I would not hire someone whose name was Gearbreaker to build something functional for me. I don't know how many hiring options Vanessa had. Maybe the, he was the only one who applied. We don't know. Uh, I bet he padded his resume. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What's so fun here, too, in talking about, uh, you know, art assets and stuff is when I was looking this up, you see uh, Helix Gearbreaker here. And in the game, he is riding on the top of, I think they called it a, a lumbering O for something, lumbering something like that. But this is the mm -hmm. card art for uh, the Hobgoblin here. Uh, so that was fun. It was a fun little Easter egg. <laughs> Yeah, hobgoblins are kind of the, you know, uh, dumb brutes of goblins. Um, yeah, you don't see them around very often, but uh, they're kind of the, uh, you know, the, the big forced labor type. Uh, you know, perhaps almost be suburban in a sense for goblins. They, they don't have the same intelligence. And uh, so, yeah, basically, when you fight, uh, when you fight Helix Gearbreaker in the dungeon he is riding around <laughs> on the lumbering oaf like using him as a vehicle and a weapon in order to like try to bowl you over or whatnot and so yeah it's almost like like it's his mount in a sense <laughs> and so that's uh something that i think would be if if they brought him as a card into the game, I would want them to play off of that idea. Kind of similar to the way we have the mountain spells right now. They could probably work a mechanic in like that. That would be pretty funny, I think. Um, yeah, he... Um, and for, for these, we, we do have, because they're the more modern ones, we do have the smallest little blurbs about them, which apparently he is technically a rogue, but he has a fear of the dark. And a fear of spiders. <laughs> so he prefers to commit his sneaky roguishness in broad daylight. <laughs> oh, man. Super, That's bold. Super effective. <laughs> yeah. Wow. He rolled uh, a natural one in his uh, sneak attempt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, so he is in a card right now, but we do have... Uh, more creations of his who are cards. Uh, we have a faux reaper. And we have two different faux reapers right here. One of them is a legendary card. One of them is not. One of these uh, characters is a boss in the dead mines. The other is not. I'm going to let you guys guess which is which. <laughs> Nate knows. Oh yeah. Well, I when I looked up the card art for Faux Reaper Five Thousand, I was like, "Oh wait a minute, this card art looks very familiar." Uh, I don't know if you all recognize this, but um, when the Harvest Golem dies, 
this is what comes out the back of it is uh oh really uh-huh. hold on i'll, I'll oh I'll, that's right it's damaged it, golem it's called a damaged golem damaged. Uh, um let me i'll put it up on the screen here but uh all right let me see here let's yeah, the, the full card art just looks like a a barrel that was <laughs> <laughs> right like it's yeah, it's pretty funny it's pretty funny um yeah, here's the irony. So, you know, the, the 4,000 is the it's last year's model, you know. And uh, it is just a, a world boss that's slumbering around. You know, it's a harder enemy that's in the open world, in World of Warcraft, in the Westfall region. You know, if you're strong enough or you get a group of people, it's something that's just a little bit harder for you guys to take down. Uh, and it gets a legendary card. The Faux Reaper 5000 is the <laughs> upgraded version that is a literal boss in the Dead Mines. And its art in Hearthstone gets relegated <laughs> to Damaged Golem. <laughs> this is what I mean when I say that when they started making Hearthstone within its uh, the first batch of cards, they were just pulling whatever art from the trading card game, just not really caring what it was initially representing. There are actually some horrible, horribly inaccurate images in the card art for some like of dragons, the- right? Isn't there a couple dra- legendary dragons that are swapped? Mally Ghost yeah. is one of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, actually, uh, Actually, the Malagos art uh, for for the original "I Am the Essence of Magic," that's actually Caligos. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. like they go wrong. And Gruel, that's not Gruel. That's one of his sons, actually. That's on the art there. So they um, and and uh, Chilma is actually inappropriate as well but i can't remember which undead dragon is uh depicted there instead it's it's a different named one but yeah they they this wasn't infrequent for the initial thing because it wasn't until uh goblins versus gnomes that they realized we're gonna have to hire our own artists here because not only are we gonna run out of old warcraft trading card game art but uh we have a very specific theme here that they just never uh, drew things for with all these crazy contraptions and bombs and stuff that we want. They just don't exist in the game. So that's when they started getting uh, different art right there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Achoma is actually Sindragosa. So, you know, the, the mage legendary from uh, Frozen Throne is actually what's being depicted in the Chilma art. That isn't Chilma. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that's... That that's just what happened there, and so the great faux reaper five thousand has been reduced to <laughs> a damaged golem. A damaged golem, <laughs> which is saying that it is worse Inferior. than a random harvest golem. <laughs> yeah, and I don't even see any damage. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's funny. And so let's see. Oh, we've right got a couple of the uh, the other new crew members, right? Right, yes. Uh, so first up, I have Rip Snarl. Mm-hmm. That's Admiral Rip Snarl. And he took over the command position that Captain Greenskin used to fill. Uh, Rip Snarl used to be a... Uh, let's see, he was a guy named James Harrington. And he was a legitimate admiral and whatnot. 
But uh, and he had a family and everything, but he kind of got bitten by a werewolf and completely destroyed his family and his career uh, because he went into, you know, blood-crazed rage and killed them all and, you know, got fired because of it and hunted down. And so he suddenly, uh, you know, uh, vengeance-fueled outcast as well, who uh, very easily falls in line with... Um, Vanessa's uh, new Defias order. So that's basically who this guy is. Uh, he's disgraced werewolf admiral who is in charge of the Juggernaut. He's the one who's going to get it sailing again. But of course, that doesn't happen because you cut him down just like everybody else. Yeah. And then, and then we have who <laughs> the I uh, believe it or not. In the normal version of this dungeon, Cook Captain Cookie is the final boss. I kid you not. <laughs> it's only when you play in heroic version that you actually fight Vanessa Van Cleef herself. But for many people, like just casually hopping into it, the former ship's cook, the Murloc, who pops out of a stew pot and just flings like spoiled food at you, is the final <laughs> boss of the dead mine. Oh, wow. <laughs> Impressive. He gave himself That's... the title of captain, by the way. <laughs> uh, That's quite the career trajectory there, Cookie. That's why it's in quotation marks. Um, <laughs> no one really takes him seriously with it, but anyone who objects to calling him captain comes down with mysterious cases of food poisoning, so... <laughs> he still works as the ship's cook. He just calls himself captain for some reason. Uh, <laughs> even though Admiral Ripstar is the one who's actually in charge of running the ship, and Vanessa Van Cleef is the one who's in charge of everything. Like, he has no real power. He just <laughs> gave himself a title. Like, he doesn't even try to command people. He just throws food at you. <laughs> Love the confidence. <laughs> right? That's pretty great. <laughs> we actually saw Captain Cookie. We've technically seen him as a Hearthstone card, uh, who like a special version in like a tavern brawl or whatnot. Like mm -hmm. not as you know a standard or wild card, but uh, so that's why technically we've had him and his Captain version in the game before his actual Cookie the Cook version that we just got in the mini set here. Yeah, good times. That's pretty funny. I know. I get a kick out of it too. Um, and then, so yeah, basically, yeah, you go through again, uh, where, you know, you're the Alliance Adventurers, you defeat all of these people in the Dead Mines, and uh, eventually take down Cookie, and as I've said, if you're playing on the right difficulty level, uh, fight, uh, Vanessa herself. I keep wanting to accidentally say Valera, but it's Vanessa. Valera is entirely different person, as we all know. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, but you fight Vanessa Van Cleave, and... Well, you think you kill her, but um, little did the people who did the boss fights consider <laughs> the power of retcons. Uh, <laughs> where it was revealed that, turns out, you did not kill her. Instead, 
she faked her own death because, guess what? She's a master of poison, and you were infected by neurotoxins. So, ah, you just thought that she died. Uh, that's the way that this game goes. It runs by rule of cool, and I accept that. Seems legit. Yeah. yeah. And so, in the, during the invasion of the Burning Legion in the Legion expansion, uh, there's a special thing where... And, which was, by the way, when I started playing the game, and I loved this feature, where you had a separate story depending on what class you played, where there was a special organization that you joined, people of your class. So if you are a paladin, then you become a member of the Silver Hand. Uh, and if you are a warlock, you uh, become a, a group called... Uh, the, the Circle of the Black Harvest, and it's like lots of cool stuff like that. If you are a rogue, you become a member of a secret society of rogues called the Uncrowned, which some of you may remember from the final boss of the Valera Book of Heroes, because Valera is a member of this group. Uh, which, as you can see, the cards that we have up here are the uh, ones that you uh, fighter. It's actually kind of frustrating because, like, you fight them as the shadowy figures, and then for a split second they're revealed, but then the game ends before you really have time to read all the text on them. But uh, this is who they are. Uh, some pretty uh, significant rogues from uh, across uh, Warcraft's history. Valera is one of them. Uh, but, of course, she's the hero. She's not one of the cards. Uh, Tess Greymane, who, you know, we, we already have as a card there. Grown a half-orcan, we've talked a little bit about before. Um, and then uh, two other uh, characters, who uh, one of them is a pirate named uh, Captain Schmitty. And uh, then we also have a uh, Shadowpan, uh, Pandaren. So just, you know, lots of different groups of rogues there. And uh, Vanessa initially tries to poison everybody as part of her, you know, ha-ha, I am back, I am going to take revenge uh, for my father, the fire shall rise again, blah, blah, blah. But um, for whatever reason, your player character is unaffected by her toxins and manages to fight and defeat her, and uh, she's given the choice of either dying or serving as one of your lieutenants. And so she... Uh, ends up going from enemy to an ally that you can command and send off on missions and whatnot. Oh. And um, currently, that is where the story ends. Um, after the dead mines were cleared out, so far there are no records of people trying to continue the art of shipbuilding inside of it or pirating. There's, you know, the occasional vagabond that might take some roost in there. Maybe a couple runaway criminals. Maybe some, you know, a beast infestation now and then. The, the most anyone's ever done with it was that it was the setting for a pet battle dungeon, which pet <laughs> battles, in case you're not familiar, are basically uh, Pokemon-style fights in World of Warcraft. And so for a while they decided to make some little challenges where they took old dungeons and made them the settings where you have to take your battle pets and fight a series of other battle pets in the dungeon. And they kind of had a small little story in the Dead Mines as a setting for one of those, but nothing really significant. Um, and yeah, that's that's basically where the story of the Dead Mines ends for now. They could bring something back later on. Who knows where the story will go? But uh, that's the Dead Mines and the Defias and Basically everything you need to know in order to understand the basics of the mini set. 
Find Very out next cool. Time on <laughs> World of Warcraft. Oh, <laughs> uh, good times. I love hearing the stories. They're so fun. And even with the retcons and stuff, it's like I I I love to hear it and I always it's always fun to kind of see what they do. Yeah. Like I said, if once you just accept that it's a game first that happens to have a really great story, and you just accept that it's all run by the rule of cool, it, it's you don't get quite as upset about it if you don't take it too seriously. Like I'm really into all this. Obviously, I'm here telling you about it, but I, I don't obsess about it to the degree that you know some nerds obsess about uh, every single detail of their fandoms or whatnot. Warcraft is special in the way that its story is made, and it's j j j just the way that it works. And I think that's one of the reasons Hearthstone works so well with it, because it just takes that element and continues having fun with it uh, in, in that special way. And so I have no trouble accepting, oh, yeah, let's make up some sillier versions of World of Warcraft, because parts of it are kind of silly in the first place, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. Yeah, I did. A, uh, oh, sorry, go for it. Yeah, as a really big comics fan, particularly uh, Spider-Man, I am very used to both retcons and uh, some some more contrived than others um, <laughs> and the rule of cool, right? Like yeah. sometimes things just happen because they look cool or like, hey, we really liked this character, so let's bring them back. And at the end of the day, as long as it's entertaining and, you know, like you can you can follow it, it's fun. So uh, it's I'm all about what that. mindset you go into it with, really. Completely agreed. I had a question uh, when I was doing some of the research for this. I saw that there was a uh, like an Edwin Van Cleef memorial. Are you familiar with that? It says uh, it's called. I the, am not actually the memory of Van Cleef in the Crusaders Coliseum, and then hmm. uh, which I thought was interesting. And then apparently there's a like a skin that you can get as well. Uh, that is, uh, and it's called an exquisite costume set for Edwin Van Cleef, uh, where so you could dress up. Oh, like him. yeah, that that's for uh, the Hollows End uh, events, oh. you know, the Halloween events. Uh, there are things that you can buy if you. There's a literal trick or treat video game sort of thing as the part of the seasonal event where you have to fly around and get candy from buckets. It's sort of a special holiday currency. <laughs> and one of the things you can get with the currency are special costumes to dress up like some iconic villains and characters of the past. And one of them is, yes, you can uh, put on an Edwin Van Cleef uh, outfit there. That's oh, that's so cool. Fun. Oh, oh, that memory of Van Cleef that you're sharing me. I believe that that's probably something in the Shadowlands. It's probably like his echo or, or his ghost or something. Ah. Uh, in uh, Maldraxxus, which is the region of the Shadowlands that uh, they created for like the people who were just obsessed with battle uh, their whole lives and continued to live for the fight uh, even after they die. And that, so, yeah, I suppose he, he would be a person who would go there, I guess. I was going to say, that seems like something he would probably do. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, so you say it's it's the memory, something is like a memory or a shade or an echo. It's generally like some, some remnant of them. Maybe it's their soul. Maybe it's some magical magically animated memory or whatnot. But whenever you see those types of terms used in Warcraft, it's generally not the person themselves, but either some living memory or, or or a piece of their soul or whatnot. Gotcha, gotcha. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. 
Sounds kind of like Warcraft Valhalla. Uh, yeah. yeah. Basically, yeah. They, uh, they, the, the Shadowland expansion has been really uh, pulling back the curtain on what a whole bunch of stuff in the afterlife is. Um, which, personally, makes me really happy that I don't live on Azeroth, because now that they've <laughs> yeah. given away what the afterlife is... I don't think any of them are really places I would want to go to personally. <laughs> um, so I'll stick with living in the real world. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it, it, it it's always neat seeing what direction they're going to take stuff in. Fun fact, you can also find uh, Cookie's uh, ghost or whatnot in Maldraxxus as well. He's like okay. some little slime construct or whatnot, if I remember correctly. And... <clears throat> Captain Cookie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Which, funny. Yeah. Yeah, they, 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 they did all sorts of small little Easter eggs, that sort of thing with, you know, characters that you've killed in the past can see, like, maybe can you recognize this as their spirit or whatnot in the afterlife? That's so cool. That's fun. I like it a lot. Uh, very cool. Well, I'm excited, and, and I really appreciate you uh, telling us these stories. Uh, it's always fun to do these lore episodes and learn more about the past. And and it's so fun to to, to uh, just see kind of the, the rise and fall of, of Defias and, and the building uh, of the Juggernaut and it getting waylaid and then getting rebuilt and these different pirate crews. Uh, you know, the, the attempted revenge of Vanessa and faking her own death and just like all this intrigue. It's very fun. Uh, there's so much flavor here, and yeah, you really bring it to life, which is nice. Yeah, Thank you very much. Uh, so I'm I'm always excited whenever we get to to hear you spin a yarn for us. And at this point, I always get excited when a new set's coming out because it means I get to come on here and tell more stories. Yeah, and so. we will get to do that a little more with more of the old god. Uh, um, right, right. I'm really excited. We, we have a to... series to continue with that. Yeah. Yes, have not forgotten. Yes, we've only gotten to one, and uh, there's definitely more to follow there. So, all right. Well, let's. That that is kind of it for the lore portion of this show. Learn from this. Knowledge is power. More to be. Wild. 